you to go back with me to uh, Genesis, the 50th chapter. Uh, and we've been uh, uh, putting some, uh, some, some, some meat on the bones from our emotionally healthy spirituality study uh, as we've been going through on our Wednesdays. And I thank God for, I uh, hope you have been connecting and enjoying that the lesson like I have. I mean, it's really a, 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 a life-transforming study that we're going through. So last week we talked about, and we're going to pick back up on this, breaking the power of the past. Everybody say breaking the power of the past. Okay, we're going to begin our reading at Genesis, the 50th chapter, uh, and verse number 14. We'll start at verse number 14 of Genesis chapter number 50, and, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what this means. It's after burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. The text says, but now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. The text says, so they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Now listen, watch Joseph. Verse number 18, watch the text. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But the Bible says, but Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? The text says you intended to harm me, but God intended it for all, all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Talking about breaking the power of the past. Now guys, you know the story how his brothers sold him into slavery. You know the dysfunctionality that, that, that was taking place in Joseph's family, right? You, you know how, how all that played out and how those, those other brothers were intensely jealous and envious and just downright hateful toward Joseph because he was his father's favorite son. Now, I want to unpack some more of this because, guys, to get to this point to where Joseph was in Genesis chapter 50, God had to take him through a process. Everybody say, God has to take us as well as Joseph through a process. Because what we got to understand, and I repeat it all the time when we go over this text, what we need to know and understand is, is that the seed had to be protected. The seed that God had promised that would come down through Abraham, the seed that would bless the entire world had to be protected. That seed that would come down through 42 generations is the seed that was born in a manger in Bethlehem. That's Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know that God, God inserted himself into human history. And, and, and God said, if a man fell in the garden and man made a decision to fall, so it's going to take a man to redeem mankind from the fall in the garden. So God says, he looked around and couldn't see anybody who would do that. So God said, I'm going to pour out of myself and I'm going to be born through a human family so that I can sacrifice myself on the cross of Calvary to redeem mankind from their sin. Because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no what? Remission of sin. So he chose the family and Abraham was the lineage with which the family was coming through, but there was great famine in the land. And people were dying whenever there's famine, people die. And so God knew that in order to protect the seed, he was going to put somebody in place in Egypt so that his family that he was going to come through would have to go to Egypt to get a food to sustain themselves and to protect the seed that was going to be born in the manger in Bethlehem. Can I get a witness? So Joseph is the one that God chose. Now again, I told you on last week that Joseph... Joseph uh, gives us a clear picture of how God's sovereignty works. Amen. Because think about all the bad experience he went through. His brothers hated him. He was sold into slavery. His master's wife tried to seduce him and accuse him of rape. 
He was thrown into prison, forgotten about all those years. But then one day, God, when it was the appointed time, when God knew that he had burned some stuff out of Joseph after he had taken Joseph through the process, he elevated him to where he was second in charge of all of, of Egypt. Now, guys, one, one of the most important attributes of Joseph was his, his, his faithfulness to God. All throughout the scripture you see in Genesis where it says the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph in Potiphar's house. The Lord was with Joseph in the prison. And the Lord was with Joseph in the palace. But yet and still, even though the Lord was with him, there were some things that Joseph had in him, I told you on last week, that God had to deal with. I don't care how good any of us are. I don't care how much good we do. I don't care how faithful we are to our ministry. There is some stuff inside of all of us that God's got to deal with and he's got to get rid of if we're going to be in the place of destiny that he has ordained for us to be. Can I get a witness? So he had to deal with Joseph because I told you, Joseph had one serious flaw, the terrible flaw that God condemns above all else, and that's the sin of pride. That was pride. The, the, the guy was a little arrogant. He, was, he, he had some hardness. I told you on last week, he had some cockiness about himself. And so, so Joseph had to be taught humility and the spirit of forgiveness uh, in, in order to, to get to the point to where God could still use him uh, to save the seed. Because think about this for a second. If your folks had did you like that, if your brothers and sisters got together put together a scheme and say, you know, we don't really like Tony White. We don't really like uh, Charles Hartman. We don't really like Al Yapala. Let's do something to him. Let's, 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 let's fake their death. No, let's kill him. Let's kill him first. First they were going to kill him. And then they said, well, no, let, let's, let, that's a little bit too much. A cooler head prevails. Somebody came in and, and spoke some reason there. Let's throw him in a pit and, and, and fake their death and tell daddy that he died. He was eaten by a wild animal and sell you into slavery. Now, I would submit to you that most of us probably, especially looking at all the stuff he went through in Egypt, a lot of us would not have been in the position that Joseph was in to forgive his brothers who came to him and when he was in a position to where he had authority and power over them, just like he had dreamed. The dream that he had, guys, came to pass, but God had to do something in him because if he was still that arrogant, cocky, uh, prideful uh, young man like he was at 17 years of age when we first introduced to him in Genesis 37, he probably would have did some stuff. How many of y'all can look back over your life right now and say, you know what, God, God, God purged some stuff out of me. Where I am today is not where I was 15 years ago. Where I am today is not where I was when I first married you. Where I am today is not where I was when I first got on this job. When I first got on this job, I thought I was the, the cream of the crop. I thought I had to rise to the top in two weeks. How many of y'all work with those kind of folks? Ain't did nothing, ain't really accomplished nothing, but think that because they got a degree that they're ready to run the whole company. There's some experience, there's a process you got to go through. Y'all see it uh, even in the NFL, whenever they draft uh, um, uh, a quarterback, particularly quarterback is probably the most complicated position uh, to play on the football field besides being a cornerback, I think, or a defensive back. Those are two real hard positions to play. But whenever a team drafts a number one quarterback, he's the number one draft pick in the, in the draft, usually you try to give him time to sit on the bench and wait. Not so much nowadays, but they throw him in, but they know, having done this for a number of years, that it's going to take some time for that, that rookie quarterback to get accustomed to playing in the NFL. Because the NFL is different than college football, just like college is different than high school, like high school is different than middle school, and middle school is different from peewee ball. So you may can coach your peewee ball team to great heights and think you're the best coach in the world, but if you got if you were matching wish with somebody who does it for a living as a college college coach, you would probably get embarrassed. And so here we got college players coming into the NFL and need to go through a process in order to be ready to lead their team to the Super Bowl. Can I get a witness? So all of us have processes that we have to go through. So Joseph, even though he was faithful to God, still has some stuff that God had to burn out of him. God had to teach Joseph to be humble and forgiving of others. Everybody say humble and forgiving of others. 
Now, I, I, I want to I just give, give you some little bonus notes from, for, for, for this week um, as it relates to examining our motives, guys. Because, again, when we talk about breaking the power of the past and being in the position that where Joseph was, where he could, he could look his brothers in the faith, the ones who sold him into slavery, Brenda, and tell them, hey, listen, you meant it for bad, but I recognize because I've been through the process that God is working this thing out for my good. You may have tried to, because of your evil, tried to wipe me out. But see, God was still at work, even in the, the valley experiences that happened in my life. And some of us don't even recognize that. Some of y'all may be in a valley experience right now. And, and, and what I would encourage you to do is say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me about me in the midst of this valley experience? Lord, what are you trying to burn out of me that should not be in me? Can I get a witness? Because everything that happens to us is not good, but God can work it out together for our good. Can I get five witnesses who ever been through anything and look back over your life? You didn't understand it when you were going through it, but when you look back over your life, you can say, Lord, they meant it for my bad, but you worked it out for my good. Glory be to God. The job that you were trying to hang on to, you've been there 25 years, and God said, I'm trying to elevate you, but you stuck right there. So you ain't going to leave, so I'm going to lay you off. So you got to learn how to trust me for your substance. Yeah, you've been hanging there. You ain't going nowhere because you, you know that job. You comfortable. And God said, I, I, I got to move you someplace else because I want to do something through you. I put some gifting in you that I need to, to, to develop, but I can't develop because you're stuck right where you are. God has a myriad of ways of coming to us and taking us through the process. So, so, so we had to deal with Joseph because, again, he, he was cocky. He was arrogant. He was prideful. And any time you find somebody who's prideful and arrogant, you better be careful. You better work that spirit out of you. Amen? The Bible, again, pride and arrogance can be traced to our motives. And we got to examine our motives in life. The Bible has a lot to say about motives. What is a motive? A, difference, a motive it's the underlying reason for any action. It's why we do what we do. I want you to just repeat this thing. This is my theme question, and you got to ask yourself. Let's say the why behind the what. Look, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, let's talk about the why behind the what. Say the why behind the what. And what, 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 what are you getting at, Brother Pastor? Well, Whenever we do whatever we do, God is looking past the, the, the what that we're doing, and he's always examining the why of us doing what we're doing. We get really enamored with the what, and we want to share with everybody the what. Look at what I've accomplished. Look what I have done. Look what our church did. Look what my family does. Look how many degrees we have in our family. And that's the what, but God is more concerned about the why behind the what. Can I get a witness? Proverbs 16 and 2 says, All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Can y'all read that with me? Let's read it. It says, All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth what? The spirit. The Lord weigheth the spirit. Because the human heart is very deceitful, according to Jeremiah 17 and 9, we can easily fool ourselves about our own motives. And that's why we got to get to, to Joseph in the process he went through. Because again, remember, he was arrogant. He was prideful, and God has to deal with that arrogant spirit to get him to the place where he could still save the sea down in Egypt land. We can pretend that we are choosing certain actions for God or the benefit of others when in reality we got selfish motives. Uh, God, let, let me just say this right quick, guys. God is not fooled by our selfishness. And he is, according to Hebrews 4 and 12, a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. As a matter of fact, let's go to right quick. Go to Hebrews 4 and verse number 12, if you will. And let's read that real quick. Hebrews 4, verse number 12. The why behind the what? Repeat it again. Say the why behind the what? Look at what the text says in Hebrews 4 and 12. Ready? Let's read. For the word of God is what? Quick and powerful and sharper than any 
two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is what? A discerner of the faults and the intents of what? The heart. What is that? The word of God. It discerns the intents of, it, it's a discerning of our thoughts and the intents of our heart. If you will, if you can find that, Brother Jay, let's look at it in the New Living Translation right quick. And I, want, I, want, I like the way it reads there in the, the KJV and the, and the NLT. But guys, God is concerned about the why behind the what. Look at what the text says. Read together. For the word of God is what? It is alive and powerful. This book is not some dead book. That's just been carried on throughout history. This is the word of God. It is alive. The Bible says God honors his word above everything else in the earth. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but God's word will what? Stand. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost faults and desires. That's what the word of God does. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Now guys, as human beings, listen carefully. As human beings, now we can operate from a variety of motivations. And oftentimes those motivations can be negative. Pride, we can operate out of pride, we can operate out of anger, we can operate out of revenge. Because certainly, uh, how many of y'all can say to yourself, well you know, I probably would have understood if Joseph had did a little something to get him back. How many of y'all in your natural mind, in your natural way of thinking, can say, you know, I could understand if Joseph kind of did something to him. Maybe threw him in jail for 30 days or 40 days. I may put him in jail for a year or two because of what they did. How many of y'all would have understood Joseph's angst? Come on. I mean, some of y'all, some of y'all would have did it. Some of y'all sitting there right now, I'm looking at you. You know, yeah, but pastor, yeah, but pastor. You know, I know, I understand forgiveness, but pastor. But you know, they sold me into slavery. And they got to pay. That's why God had to take Joseph, what? Through a process. Because he had to deal with his heart. He had to deal with the thing. Even though he was with them, even though he was faithful to God, God can be with you, you can be faithful, but there's some stuff that's beneath the surface. Remember the iceberg? Remember the iceberg? 10% of the iceberg is seen. 90% is below the surface. The stuff that we don't let anybody see. But guess what? God sits high, and somebody said, Faith, he looks low. He, la- he knows exactly what's going on beneath the surface in our lives. Can I get a witness? And so, so, so pride, anger, revenge, a sense of entitlement, or the desire for approval can all be catalysts uh, for our actions. Any motivation that originates in our sinful flesh is not pleasing to God. Anything that, that originates in our sinful pl- flesh is not pleasing to God. Look at Romans 8 and 8 right quick. Let's look at that right here. Romans the 8th chapter and verse number 8. Glory to God. Any, any, any motivation that originates in our sinful flesh is not pleasing to God. Romans 8 and 8 says, that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the saints at Rome, and he tells them this. Those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Can never please God. God even evaluates the condition of our hearts even when we give offerings, guys. God you would think that, okay, every church just wants to receive uh, offerings so they can operate. And true enough, it takes money to do ministry. I want you to look at what God says in 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. And we'll, we'll, we'll look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Uh, and y'all have heard me quote this uh, quite often. Let's go to verse number 6. 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verse number 6. God even evaluates the condition of our hearts when we give offerings to him. Because he's not so much interested in the quantity of your giving but he's interested in the quality of your giving. You can give in great quantity, but the quality can be mediocre at best. Are you with me today? Watch what the text says. Come on, let's read. Remember this. A farmer who wants 
A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get what? A generous crop. Text says, you must each decide where in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who does what? Who gives how? God loves a person who gives how? So the advert cheerfully describes how you do the verb give, right? That's what an adverb does. It describes or puts, puts parameters and context around the verb give. Give how? Cheerfully. He says, don't give reluctantly. In other words, well, I don't know. Uh, maybe I will, maybe I won't. Uh, you know, you know, I got a lot of bills, Pastor. Uh, I'm going to do this now. Just because you asked me, I'm going to do, don't, don't, listen, baby. Listen, if you can't give in faith, I'm, I'm going to tell you, just keep it until you learn how to give in faith. I'm giving you permission. If you know, like I know, you'll be sowing because God is a great blesser. God is a great multiplier. He is the great I am. He He will take nothing and make something out of it. He'll take a little bit and make much out of it. I have tried the man, and I've discovered the man is all right. He is faithful to his word. Give, and it shall be given unto you good measure pressed down, shaking together and running over with men given to your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet out, it'll be measured back on you. I tried the man. You would have to catch him before I found out God is faithful. Tony, I found out he's faithful. And I'm going to keep sowing. Amen. Now watch this. Let's get back. Get back. Get back there real quick. Second Corinthians 19. I got to finish this part. Watch this. Second Corinthians 19. It says, well, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Tithing is not giving. Let me say it again. Tithing is not giving. Tithing is returning unto the Lord that which belongs to him. I give you this illustration all the time. If Deacon Charles borrows my car and says, uh, Pastor, can I, can, I, can I use your car? Uh, I got some errands. You got the SUV. I need to care some stuff. And he goes and he uses it all day long and he brings it back to me. Deacon Charles will be less than fair as a matter of fact, some will say he's out of his mind and say, here, Pastor, I'm giving you a car. Because he was allowed to use what still belonged to me. The tithe belongs to God, so we return the tithe, we give offerings. Malachi says, you robbed me in what? Both tithes and offerings. In other words, God said, you took the stuff that belonged to me, and then you, you chased me by not giving out of your heart. Can I get a witness? So you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. In other words, you go to one of these meetings and they start pressuring people. It, here's what you do in the old days. How many of y'all grew up in the church where they used to count the money on the table right here in front of the altar? I, I ain't, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be uh, belittle anybody. People did what, what they thought was the best way to do it at that time. I don't know if they thought that People were stealing in the back room, so they better count it out front first before you go in the back. Maybe that was some of it. But they would sit there at the table and then count the money, wasting all that time where we could be worshiping God. Now, we worship God through our giving, but why I want to sit there and watch you count the money out? And then y'all whisper, say, well, we need a hundred more dollars. Or can I get, we want to round it up, can I get five more dollars? Or can I get $2,000, whatever that amount is. And we would do that and, and out publicly. And, and, and really, what we, would, we realize is that when you give out of compulsion and out of constraint or give out of pressure, that's not cheerful giving. That's why I always tell you, learn, if you learn what the Bible says about giving, man, you, 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 I couldn't stop you from giving. I couldn't stop you from giving because God is faithful and true to his word. I tried him, guys. I know he'll do it. Amen? So it says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So that means that I could give a big dollar. I could drop down a check for $75,000, but if my heart is not right, guess what? Even though the amount is great in people's eyes. It depends on where you are. If you're a Bill Gates, $75,000 ain't nothing. It's a tip. Come on, if you're, if you're a billionaire, 
Everything is relative. I, and I, you know what I stopped doing? I stopped saying stuff where that's a shame they're paying that much for that. I wouldn't do that. I don't know what I'd do if I had a billion dollars. And you don't either. It's easy to say that when you got 50 cent. Come on, y'all know. Come on. Why would that athlete go and pay $200,000 for that vehicle? I wouldn't do it. I, I still think I have... I still got some of the harder man. We we kind of we kind of we kind of hold them dollars a little tight. So I still have a hard time doing that. But guess what? I promise you, if I had a billion dollars, two hundred thousand dollars is relative. For a billionaire, two hundred thousand dollars may seem like twenty dollars. So everything is relative. Okay. So stop saying what what what. Stop judging people's on their possessions based off of where you are in life. Can I get a witness? All right, y'all with me? All right, so watch this. So you must each divide, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to person. So don't go to one of these, 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 these services and they got a $1,000 line and they work it all the way down. I don't, personally, I don't believe, again, I'm not saying that, that there's not time for, for special appeals, but some of this stuff is manipulation. Any of y'all ever been manipulated into giving something? And God says, that's not the kind of giving I bless. He says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or response to pressure for God loves a person who gives children. Now, guys, we've been teaching y'all that have been right here a long time. I've been in 31 years. You know, I've been teaching this for 31 years. And here's the beauty of it. God has supplied every one of our needs in this church. And we have y'all ever had me beg y'all for money. Come on, y'all, how many of y'all been here more than 20 years? Faye, I know you've been long. Have you ever had me beg the church for money? I will not do that because this scripture said God loves a person who gives how? Cheerfully. I'm going to teach you how to give. I'm going to teach you the benefits of giving. And then if you get the revelation on it, I won't be able to stop you. Because you'll be like I am. Listen, God's been too good to me. Come on now. Made a way out of no way. Turn a midnight into that. God has been too good to me not to give Cheerfully, so God is looking at the heart. The heart, selfish motives can hinder our prayers, guys. James four and three says this: When you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Because our hearts are so deceitful, we should constantly we have to constantly evaluate. Come on, our own motives and be willing to be honest with ourselves about why we are choosing a certain action. Find Jeremiah 17 and 9 for me, Jane. I want y'all to I want y'all to purposely mark this in your Bible. Jeremiah 17 and 9. Because again, I've told you before, out of the heart flows the issues of life. Out of the heart is some evil stuff. I told you before, quit telling folks, just follow your heart. Why? Look at what the text says. The human heart is what? is the most deceitful of all things and desperately what? Wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So why are you going to tell somebody just follow your heart, baby? Because your heart got some deceitfulness in it according to the text, right? You better follow Jesus, follow his word, follow the leading of his Holy Spirit because sometimes your heart may be pulling you in one direction and it's in direct contradiction to God's word. So the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. How, who really knows how bad it is? He just told that all kind of stuff, lasciviousness, uh, adulterous, uh, sexual immorality, evil, unforgiveness, that comes out of the human heart. So our hearts have to be transformed, obviously, and let God do what only God can do in us. You know, we can even preach and minister from impure motives. Amen? But God is not impressed. There are people who, who, who preach with impure motives. Y'all remember when Paul talked about that in Philippians, the first chapter, verse number 17? Let's go there right quick. I, I need y'all to walk with me because I, I need y'all to see this because it's our motives. Joseph got to the point in the 50th chapter to where he could say what he said, but God had to take him through a process to get there. And maybe you're in the middle of your process right now. And as we're learning, even in our emotionally healthy spirituality study, that we have this journey through the wall, and there's more than one journey through the wall in our life. 
It, you don't just go through a valley experience one time. Because you know what? If God only let us go through something one time, the nature of human beings is we forget about what happened 10 years ago and go back and do the same thing so God has to consistently purge us. Everybody say, purge me, Lord. Say, purge me with hyssop, God. For the case of he said, y'all don't even know what hyssop is. Let's go, go look it up and tell me next week, okay? Purge me, Lord. Because there's some things inside of us, guys. All of us, if we're not careful, will begin to seep out into our individual lives. Look at what the text says. As a matter of fact, back, if you will, back up just a couple of verses um, to verse 15. Start at verse 15. We could work our way down to verse 17. So examining our motives, breaking the power of the past. One of the things we got to do is examine our motives, where we are now and what we've been through. Paul says this as he writes to the church of Philippi. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. That happens today in Christianity. Some people are jealous of other churches because that church is growing and this one is staying stagnant. I say this, if they are growing, they're reaching lost sinners, getting them saved, and the disciple them, more power to you. We're on the same team. Keep on doing what you're doing. Are y'all with me? I'm not going to get mad because you didn't come join EBC. If you're where God told you to be and you feel comfortable that you can be fed and that you can be developed spiritually, then, hey, more power to you. If you feel like you can't do that here, listen, I want you to be in a place where that can be done in your life. Amen? Can I get a witness? It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with what? With pure motives. 16 and 17, let's read. They preach because they love me. For they know I have been appointed to defend the good news, Paul says. Text says this, those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my change more painful to me. But look at Paul's attitude. Go to verse 18. Watch what he says here. He says, but that doesn't matter. Paul says, I know some that the wrong motive. They're preaching to add to my change to try to try to keep me locked in here. That doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. Look at what Paul says here, guys. Paul was so focused on, 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 on lifting up Jesus. He knew some were preaching for the, for the wrong reason. He knew some were, were, were prideful and, and wanted all the attention for themselves, but they were preaching Jesus. And look at what Paul says. He says, whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I do what? I rejoice. Paul says, I'm rejoicing. Yeah, you know that joker, life ain't right where it needs to be, but he preached the word. Somebody got saved through his preaching. Y'all don't even realize that God can use an unclean vessel? He using you, ain't he? You ain't all clean. Huh? You need some washing. The washing of water by the word needs to take place in our, all of our lives. So none of us in here are here are completely clean. So God uses unclean vessels. Some a little bit more dirty than others. Paul says, so I rejoice. Christ being preached either way, so I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice. Man, what an awesome motive. Jesus spoke to this issue uh, about motives um, uh, in, in Matthew 6 and, 6 and 1, he said, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. He didn't say don't practice your righteousness in front of others, but he said don't practice your righteousness, Matthew 6 and 1, in front of others. To in, look, well, let, let me read it to you. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. In other words, obviously, if you're up here singing with the praise team, people are going to see you. But don't do it just to be seen. You got me? Obviously, when you go to the food bank or, or go out and distribute food or do whatever you do for the Lord, uh, people are going to see you. But don't do it just to be seen. Are you with me today? Everybody say motives are important. Everybody say understand the why behind the what. All right? And, and, and you, you need to hashtag that when you, you know, just understand the why behind the word. We want to talk about that all week long. Understand, listen, when your child comes to you, you and tell you, I got to do something, I want to do something, say, do you understand the why behind the what? 
I want to go to, do you understand the why behind the what? See, we got we to gotta, we gotta dial in and get to the heart of, of the matter and let people know that God is concerned about the heart, okay? Uh, if you're involved in ministry, you have to stay, all of us have to stay alert to this tendency towards selfishness because ministry uh, begun for pure reasons can quickly dissolve and, and fall into a selfish ambition if we're not careful, if we don't guard our hearts, okay? Are y'all with me today? Now, now, now watch, Let's, let me give you some specific things I think that's important, uh, right motivation. So, so, so what is right motivation? I like what 1 Thessalonians 2 and 4 says. 1 Thessalonians 2 and 4 from the NLT says this. And by the way, these, these bonus notes are out on the, on the sermon app. You can grab those on the sermon app and, and, and see them in, in full. But I'm, I'm going to give you eight, eight things, eight questions. I shared it with you before. Eight questions that all of us need to ask ourselves. 1 Thessalonians 2 and 4 says, our purpose is to please God, not people. That's where God had to get Joseph to. His purpose was to please God and not people and not please his own uh, maybe innate or his own natural desire to get, seek revenge against those who did him dirty. Now, some of y'all sitting out there right now know you struggle with that sometimes. Remember I told you on last week, the past, the present, and the future? I said, forgiveness has to do with the past. It only takes one person to extend forgiveness. I don't care if the person who did you wrong don't ever speak to you again, you can still forgive them. It has to do with the past. Reconciliation has to do with the present. Y'all with me? It, it takes two to reconcile. Reconcile means to, to bring back together again. And then I told you trust has to do with the future. You can forgive somebody but not be in a position to trust them yet. And that's where a lot of y'all have gotten hurt and gotten walked all over because you thought that to forgive me to without any boundaries, without any accountability, let's go back into the same relationship and they keep hurting you over and over again. You keep running around that same mountain. You keep saying to yourself, have not been here before? Have you ever been to a place that I know I've been here before? And some of y'all have been there before with folks who are, who are I, I'm going to call are toxic to you. It's because you didn't understand you can forgive them, but they hadn't earned that position of trust yet. They hadn't done anything different. And they back doing the same thing, keep hurting you over and over again. Aren't you tired of hurting? Put some boundaries up, all right? Begin to understand there's a difference. You got to differentiate between forgiveness and trust. I told you that on last week. So, so, so God, God is interested in our motives even more than our actions. 1 Corinthians 4 and 5 says, that when Jesus comes again, he says he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. Okay? He will, he will, he will do, he will, he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise or their reward from God. Listen to me very carefully. God wants us to know that he sees what no one else sees. He knows why we do what we do and desires to reward those whose heart are right toward him. Sometimes you may fool, you may fool me every now and then, but you know what? After a while, if I'm around you long enough, I'm going to know why you're doing what you're doing. I'm going to know the why behind your what. Because you can't hide. If, if you spend enough time with somebody, you know, you, you know that pimp walk you got, you're going to straighten up. You're going to start walking like you normally walk. Are you following me? If that ain't the real you, it's going to come out. Are you following me? Give it long enough. Be around somebody long enough. If they're a cusser, they gonna, it's going to come out. Because see, while, while you're in here, you're blessing the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Hang out with him for six months. That Blank the Blake Pastor Adams. You're like, what? I just don't like what he said. He makes me sick. Now, now the real person is coming out. Just give it time. Everybody say, give it time. The why behind your what? Now, let's look. look at, here's, here's some specific questions to help us evaluate our motives. Here, here they are. Pop them on the screen. Number one. Number one. The why behind the what? Number one. If no one ever knows what I'm doing, whether it's giving, serving, sacrifice, would I still do it? That's the question you got to ask yourself. If no one ever knows what I am doing, would I still do it? Everybody said, hmm. 
whether it's giving, if, if you give to somebody and bless somebody, can you do it without having to tell everybody? Praise report. Now, oh, Pastor, I want to thank the Lord for another glorious day the Lord has made. I thank God he blessed me to be able to bless uh, uh, Sister Barbara. Sister Barbara didn't have food to eat, but you know what? God gave me the, 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 he gave me the wherewithal to go to Brooks's and buy her $400 worth of groceries. Ain't the Lord good? Now, why don't you go and tell that? See, a lot of people do stuff to be seen. So the first question you're going to ask, if no one ever knows what I am doing, whether it's giving, serving, or sacrifice, would I still do it? Second question you want to ask yourself. If there was no visible payoff for doing this, would I still do it? In other words, there's, there's nothing I get in return for, would I still do it? If there's no visible payoff for doing this, would I still do it? Number three, watch this, watch this. Would I joyfully take a lesser position if God asked me to? You've been running the ministry and, and, and you've been faithful, and, but, but, but maybe sometimes, people, our season is up. I realize that at some point in time, my season will be up in pastoring the Elizabeth Baptist Church. At the age of 90, somebody else needs to be doing this rather than me. Now, I know, I know we say, well, you know, the Lord can do everything. Keep going. But, I, but I'm here to tell you, at 90, I'm not going to have the same energy that I had at 35. Because I don't have the same energy that I had at 35 as I do at 57. Or 57 as I did at 35. So we all have seasons of life. Would you joyfully take a lesser position if asked to? Would, 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 would you, could you still serve on the ministry if, if, if we say, let's rotate and let somebody else lead that ministry for two years? Or you're going to be saying, well, I've been, I've, been usher, I've been the head of the usher bowl all my life. What you mean, brother pastor? I've been the head of this all my life. Maybe it's time for a change. Maybe, maybe some, some fresh idea with, with, with some, some fresh anointing can help boost that thing further. Now, is it more about you or is it more about the ministry prospering? Are y'all with me today? Are you willing to take a lesser position if God asks you to? Some folks aren't. Some folks leave the church. They'll leave the church because they're not in that, quote, prime position. Look at the neighbor and say, check your heart. Say, understand the why behind the what. I want y'all to be saying it all week. Do you understand the why behind the what? Number four, watch this, watch this. Am I doing this for the praise of others or how it makes me feel? Am I doing this for the praise of others or how it makes me feel? Ask that question. Number five, watch this, watch this. If I had to suffer for continuing what God has called me to do, would I continue? If I had to suffer, if I had to go through some tragedy, if I had to go through some persecution for doing what God called me to do, would I still keep doing it? Some folks will turn away when the persecution starts. Look at number six. Watch this. Watch this. If others misunderstand or criticize my actions, Will I stop? I need to see the show of hands of all of y'all out there who were doing something you felt like God told you to do, whether it was your family, uh, whether it was the ministry or whatever, and you got, you were misunderstood or you were criticized. Anybody ever been misunderstood or criticized for doing what you thought was right based on what God's word said? Anybody? I need to, this is, I, okay, live stream. Anybody here going to raise their hand? Live stream. Well, maybe you haven't. Listen, guys, the Bible says all that live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer some persecution. So if you hadn't been misunderstood or criticized, maybe you ain't doing enough. Maybe I'm going to tell you, I, I got, a, I got a, a second degree in being criticized and misunderstood. Because as a pastor, people don't understand everything that God has given you. And, and what I always try to do is I say, check me by the book. Show me where I was wrong based on the book. And then I'm willing to change. But if I show you in the word and you don't like that, you're going to get mad at me for not like, for, for, for me sharing the word with you. Well, you got to be mad with me, baby. I love you, but you can be mad at me, but I'm still love you through your madness. If others misunderstand or criticize your actions, will it stop you? 
Some of y'all, some, some, some of y'all struggled to come here and you know the Lord was leading you to come here, but your family said, you're going to leave the home church? Grandmama buried in the graveyard out there. What you mean you're going under and following that doll Adam felt? See, guys, listen, you're not following me, you're following Jesus. But can you move with God even when you're misunderstood or you're being criticized? Number seven, watch this, watch this. If those who I'm serving never show gratitude or repay me in any way, will I still do it? Listen, if those who I'm serving never show gratitude or repay me in any way, will I still do it? How many of y'all got folks that you're serving, you're doing stuff for, and it seems like they don't appreciate you? All right? Listen, when your motives are right, you still do what God told you to do. Number eight, last one. Watch this. Do I judge my success or failure based upon my faithfulness to what God has asked me to do or how I compare with others? Watch this. Do I judge my success or failure based on my faithfulness to what God has asked me to do or how I compare with others. See, a lot of people get into that comparison game. Personal satisfactions, like taking a vacation or winning a competition, are not wrong in of themselves, guys, but motivation becomes an issue when we are not honest with ourselves about why we are doing the things that we do. When we give the outward appearance of obeying God, but our hearts are hard, God knows that. We look like we're doing God's will on the outside, but God knows our heart ain't right. We are deceiving ourselves and others too. The only way we can operate from pure motives is when we walk in the spirit. Let's go to Galatians 5, 16, and then we look at verse number 25. Galatians 5, 16. Joseph, guys, got to that point. He says, Paul says this, so I, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Let the Holy Spirit guide our lives. And then we won't be craving. We won't, we won't, we won't do the, what the sinful nature craves. Because all of us have a sin, sin nature, right? Even after we're born again, our sin nature still remains. And, 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 your, and your flesh, if awakened, will start desiring some of the stuff they used to desire. Everybody say, my flesh ain't saved. All right? Understand that. So Paul says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. Now, uh, let, let's, let's, let's wrap up what we said. Uh, Joseph, let's get back here to the 50th chapter of Genesis and look at these, uh, these four things that we, we see that Joseph uh, learned and what we can learn from Joseph's life. Four things that we can learn from Joseph's life. First thing is we understand that Joseph had a profound sense of the bigness of God. A profound sense of the bigness of God. When you go to Genesis 45, chapter verse 1 through 8, you see that Joseph understood that in all things, God is at work to orchestrate purposes. Whatever's happening in your life, I don't care how bad it may seem, I don't care how good it may seem, you and I must understand that God is at work for a divine purpose. And we may not understand it now, but I like what the, what the old folks say, by and by, when the morning comes. And we'll understand it better by and by. I'm, I'm, I'm rushing through, okay? I'm by and by. Sometimes we, sometimes we, there's some stuff that happens we may not understand until we get to heaven, but I think a lot of times there are things that God will give us wisdom and understanding on it once he brings us through it. Can I get a witness? We understand life oftentimes looking backwards, right? Am I right about it? You didn't understand it while you were going through that hurtful, hurtful period in your life. But when you got out of it, you said, God, I see what you were doing in my life. I see what you were burning out of me. I see what you were equipping me to do. Amen? Breaking free from the past, guys. Number two, we, well, the other thing we learned about Joseph's life is that Joseph admitted honestly the sadness and losses of his family. When you read that 45th chapter, you begin to see that most of us are resistant to going back and feeling the hurt and pain of our past. Joseph, Joseph wept, man. He, he was thinking about his brothers and what they did for him, but God cleaned them up, guys. Joseph, out of his honest grieving of the pain that he endured because of his family, truly forgave and was able to bless the brothers who betrayed him. That's a clear sign of true forgiveness. You can bless the person who did you wrong. 
Can you bless the person who did you wrong? That's what Joseph did, guys. Third thing we learned from Joseph's life is Joseph rewrote his life script according to the scriptures. He rewrote his life script according to the scriptures. He says, you meant it for bad, brothers. But guess what? God worked it out for good. God had me in this position so I can help save lives. I can help protect the seed that was coming through my family. He understood that, guys. Now, I, 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 I would venture to guess that he was first thrown in that pit and sold into slavery, ended up in the house. He didn't quite understand that. Didn't quite understand that when he was falsely accused of rape, thrown in prison. He didn't understand it then. But now in chapter 50, he's got it. And God wants to know that we got it, y'all. Joseph rewrote his life script according to the scripture. And lastly, Joseph partnered with God to be a blessing. How many of y'all are willing to partner with God to be a blessing? Look at Genesis 50, verse number 21. We're going to stop on this one. Breaking, guys, we got to break. We got to break. We got to break the power of the past. Some of y'all right now are still stuck because of what happened two years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. It's still shaping your outlook and how you do life. Look at what Joseph said. Y'all ready? Let's read together. No, don't be afraid, brothers. I will continue to take care of you and your children. This is Joseph talking to the brothers who sold him into slavery. This is Joseph talking to the brothers who didn't think very much of them all those years ago. These are Joseph talking to the brothers who were envious of him. Joseph says, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. So guys, we got to break the power of the past over our life. We got to let, stop letting that have a hold on us. Joseph gives us a perfect example. And many theologians kind of view Joseph, and I, I don't have time to go through today, but they view Joseph as, as having similarities to Christ in some of his life story. You go back and look at it, you can see some of the similarities. How he was, how he was, he was, even his own brothers didn't believe in him. So I thank God that we can break free from the past and learn how to go back and look at it and let the Holy Spirit get, get beneath the surface and heal us from those past hurts and pains. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you.